0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Have you been having doubts about your career recently, or perhaps for quite some time? Maybe you're not sure if you're in the right job or even in the right field, and you can't figure out if you should try to keep making your current position work or jump ship to something else. Then you'll likely recognize yourself in the stages of career transition my guest will describe today. His name is Joseph Liu. He's a consultant, coach, and speaker who helps people navigate the challenges of switching careers. In his work, he's seen that there's a recurring pattern individuals follow when thinking about and making this weighty decision, which he calls the seven stages of career change. Today on the show, Joseph walks us through these stages, which begins with doubt and dismay and end with reflection and relaunch. With each stage, Joseph explains what typically goes through people's minds, common mistakes that are made, and the best actions to take, which sometimes involves transitioning out of your current career, sometimes does not. We end our conversation with practical considerations to keep in mind if you decide to make a change. After the show's over, check out our show notes at awim.is slash career change. All right, Joseph Liu, welcome to the show. Thanks
0: so much, Brett. Frank,
1: thanks for having me. So you have made a career for yourself, helping people figure out whether they need to change careers and how to do it. But you yourself have also changed careers a few times in your lifetime. Can you tell us about your story of career change
0: and how you ended up doing what you're doing today? Sure, Brett. Well, first of all, I should probably say I'm based in London in the United Kingdom right now, but I'm originally from the United States where I spent most of my life and I'm about Oh, 20 years into my career now. And I've gone through three major changes that I think illustrate a few different types of career changes your listeners might find themselves going through. And I guess the first one that immediately comes to mind is when I was walking away from something without knowing exactly where to head next. So back in the days when I was growing up in Ohio and Missouri, I, I grew up thinking that I wanted to become a doctor. So spent most of my childhood Thinking I was going to become a physician one day, and then I got to medical school many years later and ended up uh, quitting medical school after two weeks at the Georgetown School of Medicine in Washington, D.C., and then just spent the next few years trying to find my way because I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do next. I also went through a major... Geographical move, which comes up for people sometimes. After I did my MBA, I marketed consumer packaged goods at the Clorox company in the Bay Area for a few years. And I marketed things like trash bags and drain opener and enjoyed that, but eventually moved over to London to be closer to my then girlfriend, now wife, who was based out here. And so that was another major change. And then the most recent change I went through was leaving the corporate world behind to start my own business in 2013, where I was enjoying my work marketing, at the time, uh, luxury desserts. I was working on the haagen business for General Mills in London. And at the same time, I was starting to grow a little bit disenchanted with the corporate world and also marketing a product that I thought was a great product, but not something that I ate a lot of myself because I, I told myself many years ago during business school, I wouldn't market things like junk food. And and although luxury ice cream isn't exactly junk food, it's also not exactly good for you. And I really struggled with that. And so I, I eventually walked away from the corporate world to focus on what I'm doing right now, which is to help people relaunch their careers.
1: And did you have to do any like transit, like any extra training to do what you're doing
0: now? Like you, did you have to go back to school or anything? Yeah. So when I was working on the haagen business, I was also enrolled in a part-time coaching certification program in London through the Coaches Training Institute, and I really loved that. It was an it was a weekend program, so you'd go every month for three days. Over the weekend and through that process and after working with some of my own individual clients in the evenings and weekends, I eventually got my coach certification. And I think that that's something that was useful to me just to develop some coaching techniques and skills, but also just to more than anything to give me the confidence to know that I could start my own business focused on helping others navigate changes in their careers. So in your work with people, helping people navigate changing
1: careers, what approach do you see people take most often? And how, how does that common approach often sabotage them from actually finding a career that they enjoy or find meaning in or satisfaction?
0: Well, I found that actually a lot of people go through very different ways of um, approaching career change. And so I think everybody's career journey, I've found has been very unique with the people I've crossed paths with. And at the same time, there are some common pitfalls that I've seen come up across industry, sector, function, job role level in the organization. And I guess three come to mind. The the first one that comes to mind, and I'll use these because I've also been guilty of, of these same pitfalls, is not taking the time to pinpoint A, exactly what's wrong, and B, whether the move that you're considering is going to address that specific issue. So, just taking myself as an example, my immediate reaction when I left the Georgetown School of Medicine was to assume that I was at the wrong medical school. But actually, If I was really being honest with myself, the issue was actually me and just the misfit I felt between what I wanted to spend my days doing and the prospect of becoming a full-time physician. And so so yeah, not taking the time to pinpoint what's wrong. I think the second thing that can come up is trying to fix everything at once. So trying to find a next role that addresses every single issue that you're struggling with right now, which can be paralyzing because you're waiting for the next perfect move, but Actually, it's it's the culmination of multiple moves that broadly get you closer to your goals that will ultimately help you get there. And then just one final pitfall is more of a practical one around not spending enough time ironing out your personal narrative and defining very clearly for yourself and for others your personal brand. And so, as I mentioned prior to this work, I spent about 10 years working in the consumer goods brand marketing space. And before you relaunch a product, you've got to be crystal clear about what you're trying to be as a brand. Not only so you're clear about it, but also so you can convey that to consumers. And I think the same goes for ourselves when we're trying to redefine who we are and reinvent our careers. We've got to be clear about what that narrative is for ourselves first, so we can then very clearly and confidently communicate that to the next investor or the next hiring manager or next partner that we're trying to attract. Well, let's go back to that number
1: one pitfall of not pinpointing exactly what the problem is. And this leads to my next question. So I think an issue people might have uh, when they're trying to pinpoint exactly what the problem is, they might confuse, maybe they don't need a career change. maybe they just need a job change. They stay in the same uh-huh. career. So like, like that's the question. So do you see a difference between a difference between changing jobs and then changing careers?
0: For sure. Yeah. And I think it's just the magnitude and the, um, I guess, the scope of, uh, and I guess also what's at stake. So if you're just changing your job, that might mean maybe making a tweak to the the project you're doing or maybe switching to a different company or even to a slightly different role within the same organization. Whereas if you're looking at a wholesale career change, that, that could involve going back to school and starting over uh, quote unquote And it's just a lot riskier. So I think that that's probably one of the hardest things to figure out, Brad, is to figure out if you're just slightly off course or if you're just categorically in the wrong career as a whole. And that's where so much of the confusion has come up for me in the past, myself, and also with the clients clients and the audiences that I, I now work with. Yeah, I
1: can see that being an issue where people think like they're having a bad time at their job. They're like, oh, well, I guess I should just quit and become a barber. (laughs) Right.
0: Uh, Definitely this grass is greener on the other side phenomenon. And I think this goes back to at least trying to take an honest look at what the real issue is. And sometimes we'll end up, uh, I guess, shifting the blame toward the organization or or, or our manager or a colleague. And, And I'm not saying that those aren't real issues they oftentimes can be but if if you're finding that that same issue is following you around then then maybe there's a deeper issue going on with with either you or the the fit between what you're doing and who you are. So during your 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 career helping
1: people manage and, and navigate career change, you you developed this this system or this model of seven stages of career change. And I, I'd like to walk through yeah. people because I think it's really useful because at each stage sure. you have questions that people should be asking themselves, things they they should be doing in order to help them. Maybe not even have to change careers, but if they need to do that, they you you, you provide action points for that. So yeah. the first stage is not really it's like stage zero. Um in yeah. career change. It's you call it the status quo. What does that look like in, in a career?
0: What does it feel like? Yeah. So status quo, and I guess I should take a step back here and where this came from. So early on, I was doing a lot of individual career consulting, which I don't I don't do quite as much of the individual work these days. But when I was doing that, and even now when I talk to people navigating change, I noticed there were some very common emotional challenges and also practical challenge the challenges that i was hearing across various clients again and again and again and these patterns emerged into this pretty consistent trajectory of it's not necessarily linear but a general pattern that people follow when they're going through career change and as you mentioned the the first situation which isn't really part of the actual change is just the status quo and and status quo isn't necessarily a bad thing and in fact if you're feeling, another way of putting it is just feeling content with your job or, or even feeling really happy with your job. So if you're in that category, that's great because according to Gallup, the, the vast majority of people are not fully engaged with their work. The latest figure, I think, from the most recent State of the Global Workplace poll says that 85% of people globally are not engaged with their jobs. So if you're in status quo, if you're, if you're content, if you're happy, if you're thinking more about how to get your next job, promotion or what the next move might be for you within the career track that you're on, that's great. You are you are in that top 15% where where you're you're one of the lucky ones. So I guess the the corollary to that is that sometimes you can become a little bit too content and a little bit too complacent and um, maybe not not feel as engaged with your work without really realizing it because you're just so used to this status quo.
1: So what can people do if they're feeling good about their work so they continue to feel good
0: about their work. So I think it's all about thinking about what's really important to you and making sure you're getting those things and also that you're taking some proactive steps to gain more of what you want in your career. So uh, some examples of what those things could be is a, a really common one that comes up is uh, hey, I just I want to earn more money. So so in that case, maybe you should be looking at the next promotion in in your career track. But there are other things that are less material like, hey, I'd like to have more flexibility or I want to have more ownership over my projects or I want more authority or control over my projects. So just taking a step back and thinking carefully about, and this is a really good time to do it at the start of a year, is to think about what do I want to get out of the next year? What do I want to get out of this particular chapter of my career? And am I taking proactive steps to make sure that I'm I'm gaining those things. And if not, then maybe having a conversation with my manager or thinking about the things that I can do within the workplace to make sure I'm getting more of those things. So it sounds like be content, but don't be complacent.
1: Exactly. Okay. So status quo is where you want to be, but then there's this, the stage start going for starts yep. rolling for the, you know, being dissatisfied with the career. And the first stage is doubt. What does that look like?
0: Yeah. So for each of these stages, I break it into to three broad parts. It's what's your feeling, what you're wondering, and also what you're saying to yourself. So in this particular case, you're, you're starting to feel perhaps a little bit disengaged with your work. You're wondering if these feelings are normal, if it's just par for the course. And you might be finding yourself saying that you don't like your job, either to yourself or out loud. And typically when this happens, it's because of mismatches. So mismatches between your own talents and skills and the tasks that you're required to carry out or a mismatch with the organizational culture or a mismatch with what matters to you and what matters to the organization that you're working for. And so I would equate this to having sort of like an ache in sports where you're not really in pain, but you're feeling a little bit of an ache.
1: And this necessarily doesn't mean you have to make a career change. It just might be this is where you start asking those questions like, is there a mismatch with the job that I'm doing right now within this career? And maybe I got to find something different.
0: Exactly. Yeah. There might not be an underlying issue that's so major to warrant a major career change, but I do think it's worth looking at it and and at least paying attention to it. So for example, f- for me, if I just go back to my college days, I when I was thinking about becoming a doctor, I was spending all of my summers doing medical research and feeling really bored with it. And, and I remember even falling asleep sometimes doing the work and feeling really drained and, and finding that time was really dragging on. And I think that for me, I, I didn't really pay attention to that as much as I should have, which, which is what resulted in me going all the way to medical school before deciding to pull out. And, and and so I just think it's worth paying attention to it. And in some cases, maybe those minor aches are, are worth the upside or the, or the bigger picture or the broader goals that you're trying to accomplish in your career. But in some cases, maybe they're not. What are some mistakes that people make in this stage? So I think that sometimes what can happen is people are a little bit too quick to to judge a situation. So I think, let's say you're within the first 90 days of starting a new job and you're not very happy there. And I think that is a really, I actually find that that's a really tough time to precisely diagnose whether you're in the right place or not. Because a lot of times that discomfort could be because of just the learning curve or getting used to a new organization or trying to develop new relationships. So I think it's worth giving it a chance. And sometimes, and again, I've been guilty of this myself, I'm just a little bit too quick to judge. I'm too quick to to jump ship. And that can be a problem, first of all, because you, you might be leaving for the wrong reasons, but also on a practical level, then you have to try to explain that to your next employer who's concerned about you also walking away from the role that they're considering you for. So I think not giving it enough time can be an issue. On the flip side, as I mentioned before, just completely ignoring the feelings can also end up catching up with you.
1: All right, so it sounds like the the action plan here is don't ignore it, but don't act rashly. And right. start asking yourself some questions to figure out what exactly is causing those feelings of doubt about your current career or current job. Yep. All right, so the next stage in your
0: model is dismay. What does that look right. like and feel like? Okay, so dismay is going from this this feeling of slight disengagement to complete misplacement. So feeling like you're completely out of place, that you're completely in the wrong career. You might be looking up left and to the right in your organization, and you just don't see a role that you would want to have as your next role. And you're probably wondering whether you could ever really be happy in this line of work. And you probably find yourself... Saying that you just don't like your career and you don't like the the career path that you're on, some some of these I guess signs that you might be experiencing this that that differentiate it from just the doubt stage is that you're feeling completely drained, so completely emotionally drained, completely physically drained, where you're you're basically dedicating your evenings and weekends to recuperating from the drain your your job is is creating on your life. You might find that time is dragging on you might find y- you have to pretend to be someone you're not you're not growing a big telltale sign is that you're you're in a bad mood often all the time and you're just not a very fun person to be around because your job is just not bringing you any joy and what what is the the big mistake that people make in this stage and then what on the flip side what can they do instead so yeah so going back to mistakes i guess i guess again it's really unique for each person and I guess the I guess the word mistake is kind of a strong word because I, I think this is this is a very confusing journey I think I think when you're feeling this, you're probably wrestling with really big questions like hey, did I make some wrong decisions about what I wanted to do with my life or what would be the implication of me walking away from this And so so I guess I guess to answer your question, I think some of the the pitfalls or maybe the missteps that happen during this stage is, kind of very similar to the first stage, not paying attention to it and not doing something about it, where you you end up allowing this, this, um, this job of yours, which is just supposed to be a, a, generally a positive part of your life. And it just spirals into something that is a constant drain on not only you, but also other people around you. And, and I think that other people will start to notice it. And I've had people tell me, in the past, and I think we'll get to this at one of the other stages. Hey, you don't you don't look very happy at work, but just ignoring it and not doing anything about it, I think, only ends up resulting in you not doing a great job at work, but also not taking steps to try to fix the situation. Yeah, I can see that that big challenge being having that
1: sunk cost fallacy going on. It's like, yeah, man, I went to medical school, I've invested right. three years, you know, so far into this career, like I can't. Yeah, it stinks. But if I let go, like just, I, I just wasted fifteen years of my life.
0: Yeah, that and exactly, and this happens a lot in the corporate world, which is where I spent a, a big chunk of my career. Where the system is designed such that the longer that you're at an organization, the the more benefits you get, the harder it is to walk away because there is always an even more enticing carrot dangling in the distance. I was just catching up with a former colleague of mine in the Bay Area a couple weeks ago. And he's been at this organization that that he's currently at for nearly two decades. And when he hits the two-decade mark, that that reaps some serious benefits for him. And you can just imagine when you're at year 19, you're not going to walk away from that. You've you've come this far. And so it gets back to that saying, I don't know who said this, but we, we didn't come this far just to come this far. And so it's really hard to let go of the thing that you've invested so much time and energy and belief into. We're going to take a quick break for your word
1: from our sponsors. Wedding season is coming up. And if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made to measure suit. A lot of fun, and then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. Daylight saving time is starting up again. The goal of this is to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There is only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to help you find qualified candidates. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you can reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter Smart Technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. All right, if you have a family, then you need to get term life insurance to protect them. It's one of the smartest financial decisions you can make, and the start of the new year is the perfect time to get it done so you can focus on whatever else the year has in store for you. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30 day money back guarantee and you can cancel at any time. I remember when I was a new dad, I had a lot of thoughts going through my head. One of them was, how can I take care of my family? When I'm gone, if something happens to me. Well, it's so one of the first things I did. I got term life insurance. One of the best decisions I made. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com manliness. That's meetfabric.com manliness. M-E-E-T fabric.com manliness. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. And now back to the show. So yeah, if you in the doubt phase, you've maybe you've, you've kind of pinpointed some things that are bothering you. You've, you've tried to address that. If you're still, if you, if you move to dismay, you feel misplaced, then that's, that you got to listen to that because it means like something's still wrong with this path. You can't, just, it's not, small fixes aren't going to fix it. You might have to make
0: some bigger fixes. Yeah, and, and maybe you even tried some of those things and you just realized it's not, it's not doing anything. So for me, when I moved to the UK, I was working at a, a small startup dessert company and over time, I didn't feel like it was the best place for me to be. So I moved back to a bigger company, which was General Mills. And and I was still not really feeling as engaged with my work. And so I realized that there was a bigger issue going on. So the next
1: uh, stage is mitigation. What does that look like and feel
0: like? Okay, so mitigation is someone's attempt to try to fix the situation. So now you realize you're in the wrong career, let's just say. The idea, as, as you mentioned, Brett, of just walking away from it can seem really daunting and risky and maybe even a bit hasty or impractical. So what tends to happen with most of the pr- professionals I cross paths with is they try to fix it. So they're feeling misplaced and they're wondering whether there is a way that they can stick this out and so it's almost like this feeling of persistence is like i want to i want to try to conquer this maybe i can fix this and what that can look like is maybe picking up a side project like the one that i did when i was i was really getting really getting interested in coaching other people so instead of doing it at work i would i would take on this side gig of coaching people outside of work or doing my certification on the weekends and the evenings so it could be a side project it could be making a tweak. So maybe switching to a different industry or, or company or, or function or role, but not not all of those things, but maybe one or two of those things. Maybe it involves networking and, and maybe talking to other people to see if there are solutions and really just trying to come up with some some fixes on the edges to see if you can put a band-aid on on the situation.
1: But that sounds like it can spread you thin. If you're like, you know, you're trying to moonlight on top of your career,
0: that can yeah. be exhausting. For sure. And that that's what tends to happen. And it's not like sometimes people ask me, well, can can this work? Like can you just stay in the mitigation stage forever and just have that be okay? And I think it's possible, but for the vast majority of the people I cross paths with, and the, most of the people I tend to cross paths with, are working in the corporate world, is or or some large established organization, where they've got they've got serious demands on their time, and they're working forty to sixty hour weeks, sometimes evenings and weekends, and on top of that, they're trying to feed this side interest, and it just, yeah, you're exactly right, just spreads you too thin, which is not sustainable, I think in the long run. But I think it's interesting, like most people
1: don't quit their job at this point. Like you, Even in this, this, these stages of career change, like you still don't tell people you should quit your job right now. If you feel doubt, it feels like this is like this mitigation process is part of the process to figure out what's the next move.
0: I think it is. And I think it's important because I think if you skip this stage, what happens is you always wonder, gosh, what if I would have just tried, before I make this really drastic move, what about just trying this one thing? And and for you, you can think about the, the metaphor of relationships before you, I don't know, before you break up with somebody or you know before you walk away from a marriage. I think most people want to try to see if they can fix it before they make such a major decision to walk away from everything you've invested all your energies into. So I think it is a natural and understandable human behavior and desire to try to to fix things and to to try to not quit. I mean popular media is always talking about never quitting and and never giving up and so I think that that's really it's really etched into our minds and and people are resilient. People People want to find ways to make things work. All right, so the next phase, you've tried
1: mitigating, tried fixing things, tried to do the side hustle so maybe you can have some sense of satisfaction with your life even though your job's not that great, but eventually
0: you're exhausted. What does that look and feel like? And what's the main challenge there? So in this stage of, of exhaustion, you're feeling stuck. You might be wondering, how much longer can I go on like this? You might find yourself saying things like, gosh, this just this just isn't working. I'm trying to get it to work. It's just not. It's just not working. And we're talking about physical and emotional exhaustion. We're talking about not really bringing 100% to anything you're doing. And I'm talking about your full-time work, your side projects, your relationships, your health, your personal interests, the people in your life, family, kids. Like You're just not you're not doing anything justice in your life because you just don't have the capacity for it and i think the big clue here is that it it just starts to affect other people in your life either either explicitly or behind the surface and so i'll just give you this a really personal example when i was thinking about leaving the corporate world behind i was working on a global team where i was i was engulfed in a lot of internal politics and stakeholder management which i found really tiring and not really what i went into marketing for and i'll never i'll never forget i was i was in london with my wife one night and we were having dinner and i was just complaining about work again and and this had been going on for months and and i remember her just telling me to just i think she just told me hey could you just could you just not complain for once about this because i'm like i was complaining about it all the time and i can totally understand where she was coming from because i just wasn't that fun to be around and I think when it starts to affect other people in your life, when when you feel like you're just not doing justice to yourself or anyone else, I think it's it's a sign that you are at the the bottom <laughs> of the emotional journey, and it and it's probably worth trying to get out of it. All right. So that leaves the
1: next stage and that's departure. And so this is like when you say, I, I got, I'm going to, I got to get out of this. This is just sucking my yeah. life. It's ruining my family life, my, my personal life, Right. but deciding to leave and leaving that's, those are two separate things. What's the big challenge that people have? Like once they decide, I got I got to get out of this. I got to change careers and then actually
0: making the move to do that. Yeah. So this is really, really tough, Brett. And I think even if you're really unhappy with your job. I know so many people who are unhappy with their jobs and they still just won't leave. And And I don't fault them for that. I I completely get it because I think the choice to walk away from a job or especially even an entire career is huge. It's like the biggest professional move you can make. And the one that comes with probably the most risk and also just personal confusion. And so in terms of what stands in the way of people making this move, there's there's probably, know, there's probably three things that come to mind for me. Number one is just risk. And going back to what you said earlier, Brett, just letting go of what you have. And this is another one really common and understandable is money. So finances, thinking about the prospect of a change to your salary, both up or down, and whether that's going to make a meaningful difference to your life or completely losing your salary if you don't know exactly what you're going to move on to next and and you decide to to resign before you have something lined up. And I've done that before. And, and then finally, just, just pure fear and just the pressure to get it right, which people who are feeling dissatisfied in their career, I think, feel this pressure even more, which is the cruel irony of it is you, you don't feel like you've maybe made the best choices in the past. So this time around, you want to make sure you get it right. But in doing so that can lead to a bit of paralysis and wanting to re- wanting to wait for the perfect move before you make a move which results in maybe you never making a move and and that's that that can happen that can that can stand in the way of you moving on.
1: You know it's funny as I was reading through this your your stages of career change. Uh, I I've gone through this myself. So like you know I I've been doing the the blog and the podcast for 12 years now, but before that I went to law school. I thought I was going to be an attorney. And I loved law school, but then I started having doubts about my career when I actually did my first internship at a bankruptcy court. And like the actual work of law is like I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy this. This is not, not what I. This is not Matlock. I thought I was going to be up there like (laughs) I'm just doing a lot of pushing a lot of papers. And then, then the dismay happened. The second, my second year when I um, interned at a big firm in Tulsa. And it was like, I got my first case of heartburn. I was stressed out. And I was like, this, I'm not liking this. And then I graduated law school and I was still, I was, that's when I started the blog was while I was in law school. So I kept doing the blog. Then I was like, okay, I I remember having that, that mitigation phase, man, I've invested so much. I've like spent three years. I spent a lot of money. I got to do something with this. And so what I did was I, I found a career in law, but not, practicing law. So I worked for uh, Thompson Reuters, which they have, they own Westlaw. So it's an inf- a legal research company. And I worked with them. It was great. I worked from home, still doing the blog, but like I still really wasn't into law. And so I got to that exhaustion phase. I was like, I can't do this blog that's growing and like this job at the same time. I'm tired. We just had it, our first kid and and then finally i made that that departure to say i got to get out of here but it took me a long time between like deciding i got to quit and then actually leaving cuz i was like it was all these like i was worried about money i was worried about health insurance i was worried about just like i was worried about i i, I liked my manager at my company and i i was i felt bad that i was you know i'm going to let him down so there was that i had to get through so it took like probably 3 or 4 months from the time i decided i'm going to leave to actually leaving my
0: career in law Wow. Yeah, and that's not an unusual trajectory. And and I know people who they'll decide that they want to leave, and they'll they've got a plan. Like I've had clients I've worked with, and they've got a two year plan where they've decided they're going to leave, and they're spending. And these people are quite senior. They 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 spend the next two years lining it up because there's just so much at stake, not only for themselves but also for their teams. And it sounds like it sounds like you also went through a very similar thing where okay, I want to leave, but like how am I going to do this, and when's the best time, and gosh what the implications of all that are huge yeah I totally get it
1: yeah I mean the other is like yeah I, I wanted to leave in a way that didn't burn bridges right but then it also built momentum for my next move
0: mm-hmm. yeah and that that's really important to think about just resigning the right way and taking a long-term view of that because you just never you never really know how your career is going to shape up who you're going to cross paths with again and there's so many people out there who just don't resign the right way because they just don't feel like they have any skin in the game anymore. But I'll tell you, the people who resign professionally and thoughtfully are people who I always remember very positively in my career. Yeah, it's a small world for sure. Mm -hmm. So after
1: departure's reflection, what's going on there and what's the ideal outcome in this stage?
0: So here, ideally, you're feeling a sense of relief because uh, reflection is whether whether you take a, an actual literal break or sabbatical from work or not, you're trying to give yourself the headspace to just figure it out. And so you might be feeling really relieved that you have either made the decision that you're going to depart mentally or that you've actually um, are, are now going through the stages of, of resigning and you're thinking about what path you should pursue next but but really what you're feeling at this point because you've just gone through this ex- exhaustion phase is you probably want a little bit of a break and and that's okay i think sometimes as professionals we are so conditioned to to not leave any gaps in our resumes and our cvs and i really think it's okay within reason to just take a moment get some headspace to think about what you really want and i think to answer your question about the ideal outcome in this stage is hopefully the clarity, the confidence, and the courage to make a move that you feel is going to really bring you some fulfillment and joy and satisfaction and is going to be engaging work that you really care about and and can allow you to make the most of who you are. But I think you can only, maybe you can't only get it this way, but I think you're going to have a greater likelihood of understanding what this is when you have a little bit of separation from the environment or the conditions that are constantly depleting you and not leaving you with a lot of residual energy to actually figure this kind of stuff out. So after you
1: reflect, you move into relaunch and what is that is that does that involve going back to school, starting a new business?
0: What does that look like? It could. It could, it could be those those are two very common paths. So there are there's probably more paths than this, but but five broad paths come to mind from the people I've crossed paths with. Number one is as you mentioned, going back to school or gaining a new set of skills or some sort of a certification that you feel will either bridge the gap between where you want to go or or even just give you the confidence to to launch out into whatever new direction you wanna wanna go in. Another one is as you mentioned starting your own business or venture or and that could look like turning that side hustle into a full-fledged business. It could mean uh, running your own your own independent business so you could you could start a freelance business. It could be a bigger scale idea where you're you're actually thinking about launching a high-growth startup. So that's another path. Number 3 is some people just decide they want to make a tweak or a minor shift, or they come to the realization that just shifting industry, location, company, function, or role, probably not all five, but making some sort of a tweak to their former situation is actually going to address the issues. And then the final two are exploration. So taking some sort of a portfolio approach where you decide, hey, I'm either going to keep keep the work I was similar to what you described before is like, I'm going to keep some of elements of my, of my legal work going while I'm exploring something else, because both of those things are, are of interest to me or because you just, you're trying to figure it out. And you feel like the best way to do that is to proactively take action and dip your toe in the waters of a variety of paths that you're considering in a way that is low investment and low risk. And, and finally, I should probably say one other path that people do take, and I've had people on my podcast who, who have come on the show, and, and they have described this trajectory where they actually walk away from their former jobs, and they've, they've taken some time to do some either self-exploration or or some reflection, and they actually realize that they want to go back. And that does happen, and, and people can be very happy doing that. So sometimes people return, and, and I think there's a term out there called the boomerang employee. and. So you might go back to either a former company or you might go back to the type of work you were doing, but just in a different, uh, some sort of different version of that that you feel is going to make you happier. But there are people who do end up deciding that, you know what, actually what I had was pretty good. And and upon further reflection, I don't think a change is going to address the issue. I think maybe it's something like a mindset shift or a change in mentality or just one of those tweaks that we mentioned before
1: so during this process this is very high level stuff because you're, you're thinking on like a personal level your goals your aspirations uh your psychology but in involved in this process is sort of the nuts and bolts like the day-to-day stuff like the challenges like the tuesday afternoon problems that people have in a career change it's like okay well i'm gonna change i want to change careers but like what about health insurance? What about how are we going to pay rent or, or mortgage? Yeah. How, how do you, how do you, how have you, how have you advised clients in the past, like on how to handle that stuff as they try to make a big career change move?
0: Yeah. So dealing with the financial barriers is really, really critical. And it, I mean, it's just, it's so important to do this because everybody, everybody's got financial concerns and everybody's got a financial situation that they've got to deal with. So I personally, have never been in a position where I had the luxury of taking a tremendous amount of time off or being able to step away from work that long. So, I mean, for example, when I when I left medical school, I I had to get a job right away. I actually temped for a while as a secretary at a legal at a at a law firm, actually of all places in Washington D.C. and just to kind of make ends meet. And so, uh, the point is that you've got to deal with financial barriers. And I think when when I work with clients or audience members, there's there's a few things that come up. Number one is taking realistic stock of what sort of a salary decrease or salary loss you could weather and and how long you could weather it for and whether or not you can take steps to reduce your spending, to bring down your expenses or, or the costs in your life so that you can make that runway as long as possible. But But really just doing the math on that. Another way of looking at it is to try to build up the savings required to get you to a place where you feel comfortable with the kind of runway that buys you. And, and by runway, I'm talking about a a transitionary a transitional period where you may not be earning the income that you want to be earning, or you may be earning um, a decreased income for a certain amount of time. But, but building up that savings is really important because that gives you the confidence to know that you've got a little bit of a time before you have to, to resort to some other plan, which gets into another point, and I think that it's having a solid backup plan in place. And that's important on a very practical level, but, but really putting that down on paper, what will I do if within X period of time, let's say a year, this thing that I'm exploring just doesn't gain traction, whether it's landing a job in a new industry or, starting my own, or running my own business, what if it just never takes off? And, and what are going to be the metrics I have in place that will trigger me to say, okay, I've given it a shot, but now it's time to go back to do this other thing that was a plan B. And having that plan B in place, I think gives you the reassurance to know that everything's going gonna, everything's to gonna be okay, even if it doesn't work out in the worst case scenario.
1: Yeah, that savings like you know you hear for per- personal financial advisors always talk about have at least six months of personal spending right saved yep, up yep. and that comes in handy if like you lose a job but it also comes in handy when you decide
0: I don't like my job and I got to do something else and it gives you that runway you were talking about exactly and it, it a, a kind of less tangible benefit of that is that it gives you some confidence and it, it reduces the desperation that you have and that desperation can show up. If you're desperate to get your next job, the hiring managers can sniff that out. Or if you're desperate to land that next client, those prospective clients can can sniff that out. And so you want to show up in this new entity of yours, or whatever this next chapter is of yours. You want to show up confidently. You want to show up in a way that makes people want to bring you on board. And that's hard to do if you're financially uncomfortable. It's just you just show up differently. So I think that's that's another added. Benefit that's a little bit more behind the scenes, but just as important.
1: All right, so have some savings in place, and then when you do decide to make the the cut, you have to like kind of tighten your belt, your your belt, and figure out where you can cut expenses so you can you can have that runway to do what you need to do to make the transition. And then also, it
0: sounds like have a plan B in case your career change doesn't doesn't work out. Definitely, and and just one more thing to say about that plan B: make sure that that plan B uh, that you've got the buy in from anybody who you think you need to get the buy-in from in your life. That could be partner, family member, um, sometimes kids. They've got to be on board with your plan also because they are going to feel it during this transitional time. They are definitely going to be the ones to bear the brunt of whatever sort of uh, volatility you're going to experience in your career during this transition.
1: And what I like about this approach, it's very, it's very practical because a lot of like sort of career advice you often read online in particular, it's like burn the bridges, just make the move, <laughs> right. don't look back. And it's like, that's, I always read that. I'm like, man, that could work out like, like 2% of the times people do that, but like 98, it's probably not going to work out and it's going to end up bad definitely.
0: yeah, it's like you said earlier, Brett, it's a small world. I mean I just found out to, I literally found this out today before this call that someone I used to work with in Paris who was on the Hagendas team there is now part of the careers team at a business school in Europe where I regularly speak and she's taking over the careers program there. and I, I saw her name and I thought, oh wow, we worked together this was this was seven years ago. And I've had, I've had former colleagues become clients. I've had former managers introduce me to, to people who have had a direct impact on my business. So it's, you never, you never know. You, you, I, I always assume I'm going to run into somebody again. So you want to, when you're resigning, you, I, I couldn't disagree more with, with whoever out there is advising people just burn the bridges. I think you should give it a hundred percent up until the very last day.
1: So what happens after all this? So you've gone through these stages, you've made the career change. Will people likely go through this cycle again, or is it possible to reach like career nirvana where you escape, Uh, escape the cycle of doubt and
0: dismay? You know, it depends, Brett. It really, it really depends. Like I would love to say that, okay, you go through these seven stages, you figure this stuff out and you end up, boom, you end up landing in your dream job. What I've observed is that it really depends. And so I think it, if you take the time to figure out, and if you if you have the ability to wait until the right role comes along, if you if you take the time to figure out what you want and, and you can wait until the right role comes along, then yes, I think you can absolutely find work that you find meaningful and fulfilling, and maybe that's it. Like you you can you can call it a day. I think if you don't, or if you if you're hasty with it, or if you just can't, like if you just don't have the time or the space or the practical ability to, to figure this out and you really just need to take that next job, then, then yeah, I, I know people including me who go through this sort of cyclical rebirth over time, either because they outgrow whatever they thought was going to be right for them or it's just this natural process of wanting to move on to the next exciting thing. There are <laughs> there are chronic career changers out there. I'm, prob- I'm probably one of them and and you know that's actually becoming more acceptable these days to have multiple careers and so yeah i think people people do people do have different chapters i think i don't think our careers are necessarily linear and i don't think that people should feel like they need to be linear in order for them to be quote unquote successful i think you can have a little bit more of an off-the-beaten-path career and still find it very rewarding and very enriching and grow through the process and find each and every day interesting. I think that is possible. Well, Joseph, where can people go to learn more about your work and what you do? Well, if you if you want to get a free roadmap that actually describes these seven stages of career change in more detail, or if you just want to check out more career change resources, including my career relaunch podcast, you can go to josephlew.co slash join, where you can sign up to receive my newsletter and also be the first to hear about the book I'm working on writing about how to navigate these seven stages of career change. And, And speaking of the book right now, I'm trying to actually identify a solid book agent to work with. So if somebody out there is listening to this, who's involved with nonfiction publishing, and you're interested in learning more about my book or about the seven stages of career change, uh, I'd love for you to email me and you can reach me at joseph at josephlew.co and we can have a chat. Fantastic. Well, Joseph Lew, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Thanks so much for having me, Brett. My guest today was Joseph
1: Liu. He is a consultant and coach for career change. You can go to his website, josephlou.co, that's L-I-U.co, where you can download those resources we talked about today, as well as find out other information about his work. Also check out our show notes at aom.is slash career change, where you can find links to resources, where you can delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the AOM Podcast. Check out our website at artofmanliness.com where you can find our podcast archives, as well as thousands of articles we've written over the years about careers, personal finances, you name it, we've got it there. Also, if you'd like to enjoy ad-free episodes of the AOM Podcast, you can do so in Stitcher Premium. Head over to stitcherpremium.com, sign up, use code MANLINESS to get a free month trial. Once you're signed up, download the Stitcher app on Android or iOS, and you start enjoying new episodes of the AOM Podcast ad-free. And if you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate it if you take one minute to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or whatever. Whatever podcast player you use helps out a lot and if you've done that already thank you please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member who would think would get something out of it as always thank you for the continued support until next time this is Brett McKay Remind you not only listen to the a podcast but put what you've heard into action
0: pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks oh yeah that's me